This week on TSR, The Expanse is moving to Amazon. News on Galaxy's Edge and the next Star Wars celebration. We took a flight of passage. And we break down all things solo. All that and more on this episode of TSR. This is TSR number 190. Hello, Nancy. Hi, Brian. It's been a little while. Yep, it has. we're back. Uh, Before we dive too much further, though, we should probably do a little bit of housekeeping. Yes, we should. Uh, So we are redoing the schedule we're using here at Ye Old Tashi Station. Uh, TSR uh, starting, what are we going to say, first week of July, probably? Yes. First week of July, uh, TSR is going to be recording the moving on uh, the weekends permanently. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, well, mostly we've, permanently. We've we've sort of done that, but mostly it's because we also have mouse droid. Mm-hmm. So we we finally figured out a schedule where we will record mouse droid the first week of the month, and then TSR for the rest of the weeks. Yes. Yeah, so it's going to so be. Uh, three- we will have a podcast every week. Just one week out of the month we'll be focusing solely on disney things yes uh so three weeks of the month it's tsr yeah same tsr you know and love maybe uh one week of the month it is the mouse droid and if you haven't listened to the mouse droid before what uh the mouse droid is is a podcast about all things disney with a focus uh really on disney uh parks and resorts yes because we are pass holders to Walt Disney World, and it's a thing we like, and a thing we like to talk about. We we are, and we do. And there's this little thing called Galaxy's Edge, which we'll come back to in a bit. What? All right. Hey, we've been up to some stuff. We have. Uh, I picked up a new hobby. You did. Let's, if, you can talk about if that. If you've been following me on Twitter, you will know that I bought something called the Pico Brew Model C. The Pico Brew Model C is a homebrew uh, beer uh, brewing appliance uh, that, dis- that takes the entire garage worth of homebrew stuff you traditionally have to use and condense it into one nice uh kitchen counter appliance um i brew a test batch a couple of weeks ago and it came out good i'm still here so i didn't kill myself making it uh and right now i have brewing something special you do it is the Sinjir's Wrath IPA. Yes, a beer themed after Sinjir Wrath Valus of the Aftermath books. Uh, and uh, this is going to be part of something new that I'm doing at Tashi Station, both a blog and a side occasional podcast thing in which we brew Star Wars themed beers. You are so amused, Nancy. I'm just shaking my head. That's all I'm doing. I'm shaking so, my head. I have a blog post coming uh, next couple of days or early next week that uh, is step one in brewing the Sinjir beer, which is choosing all the grains and hops and deciding what it's going to taste like. Uh, this beer is a uh, an American IPA, uh, 8.2 ABV, uh, 60 IBU. Um, so it is strong. It is bitter. It is carp- copper, just like Sinjir's soul. that's true so yeah that one is actually fermenting on the counter right now it's going to cold crash uh in the next uh day or two what does cold crash mean cold crash is when you put the uh wart that has been fermenting with yeast over the last several days into the fridge to uh, bring the temperature down so the yeast settles at the bottom of the keg uh so you can then carbonate it and then rack it in a keg to serve. Exciting. I It is exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. It's a Sinjir beer. Ooh. Get very excited for that. Yes. So, yes, uh, stay tuned. Um, blog post coming. And I might have something uh, in the works with uh, one of our Book Wars pod friends. Uh, Keeks and I may be uh, doing a little once a month beer show. Geeky, geeky stuff and beer. That's all you, babe. 
It's all you. <laughs> uh, hey, you've been busy, though. I've been busy reading and writing, as usual. Still reading all the Verkosigan books for our read-through. Uh, read the novella, I think, since the last time we podcasted, and it was good. I didn't talk about it yet, because... We'll be talking about that in a few months on the Vercozicast, but um, I also read uh, Artificial Condition, which is the second novella in the Murderbot series by Martha Wells. Um, it, the first book was called All Systems Red and came out last year. They are they are novellas, so they only take about two or so hours to read. They're they're not full length novels, but they are. So good. Murderbot, the the first book just was amazing. The world building is amazing. The characterization is amazing. Murderbot is one of the best characters I've read in a long time. Uh, the, 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 the main character calls itself Murderbot. It is a sec unit, which is a basically security robot that is owned by this company and, um, basically sent out with survey groups when they go to other you know other to explore different planets and stuff and um they can also be used like for mining operations basically whatever they get sent to and this this uh sec unit has hacked its governor module which basically controls it and um, believes it was responsible for a massacre that happened, which is why it calls itself Murderbot. But Murderbot doesn't want to kill people. Murderbot just wants to be left alone and watch its media all the time. Uh, and Murderbot is very anxious and does not like people making eye contact oh with it. Oh my god, Murderbot's me. Murderbot is a lot of people. Murderbot... It gets very uncomfortable when people are looking at it, does not want uh, to, it always keeps its helmet opaque so it doesn't have to, like, make eye contact and control its facial expressions and just basically wants to be left alone and watch Netflix. It's so good. And the second novella is also just as good. It makes a sort of friend with a um a transport um that it calls art um or art uh which stands for asshole resource transport or research transport i forget but basically the first word is asshole (laughs) asshole research transport yeah because it doesn't like it at first so that's what it (laughs) names it um but um it involves Murderbot going to investigate, try to figure out basically if it did kill all these people as it thinks it did. And um, it's it's very, very good. Um, and the um, the the show that Murderbot watches a lot in the second uh, novella is called Sanctuary Moon. So, of course, I spent the whole time thinking about Star Wars and Return of the Jedi. And I believe that is a... Re- I, I'm pretty sure that's a reference because Martha Wells did write a Star Wars book at one point in time. <laughs> so it just amused me. So I highly recommend the Murderbot novellas by Martha Wells. There are two more coming out this year, which I'm very excited about. So yeah. Very cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, we also got to hang around with one of our other Toshi Station friends. We uh, did. Our managing editor uh, from the blog side, Bria, was here over the weekend. Yes. She came in on Friday. We did the Secrets of the Empire at Galaxy's Edge for or at, at the Void for uh, the fourth time, <laughs> I believe. Uh, it's- we just love taking people to that yeah it's always a fun thing it's always it's always a fun time but we did that and then saturday we went to animal kingdom which is at the point that point in time our least favorite park here it was our least favorite park and originally bria was going to go to animal kingdom on friday while we were at work um, but her flight got messed up she ended up coming in friday instead and so we rescheduled Animal Kingdom for Saturday, which was fine because, you know, we'll we'll go to Disney. It's, you know, 
it's not where we would choose to go, Animal Kingdom, but it was fine. So we ended up staying at Animal Kingdom for 14 straight hours and had a blast. Um, I haven't done that many rides at Animal Kingdom in a long time. I haven't done that many rides at any park in yeah, a long time. But I hadn't I had only done Everest and Dinosaur once, uh, eight years ago. And I never did them because Everest made me sort of nauseous because of the going backwards part. And then immediately afterwards, I went on Dinosaur and got so sick that I almost threw up. So um, I I decided I was going to try it to see if I survived. Um, I took a bunch of ginger pills and I felt a little woozy getting off the ride, but it wasn't that bad. Uh, we went and had lunch after that. And then, you know, an out two hours or so later, and after riding the safari, we went on Dinosaur. And I loved Dinosaur. It was super fun. And I didn't get sick because I hadn't just gone on Everest. So I think I've learned I can do I can do the both of them, which is good. We did the Safari twice. We did the Navi River Journey twice, which we had done before. But um, because we were with a friend who does not go to Disney all the time and was not going to come back in a while, she, Bria, wanted to wait in line for Flight of Passage. And if you know anything about Disney World and Animal Kingdom, you will know that Flight of Passage has the longest line in a very, very, very long time. Um, I think it's been longer than either the Mine Train at Magic Kingdom and the Frozen Ever After at Epcot. And those are pretty long lines. But Flight of Passage regularly can get up into 180 minutes. Uh, yeah, easy. Yeah, so we finally we had checked the wait times all throughout the day, and we're checking to see if a fast pass came up um, on the app, and uh, we saw that the wait time was 120 minutes, and we were like, "This is the lowest it's going to get all day unless we wait till the end of the day." Let's let's just go. So we trucked over to Pandora and got in line, and you want to take the rest of it from here. <laughs> Oh God! How long were we in line? Two, two, two hours. hours? Two yeah. hours. It was right as they said. So it's two hours in line, and after two hours, we're kind of just pissed off at the world in general because we've been s standing in a line for two hours. Mm -hmm. uh, they event we eventually get into the pre-show, mm -hmm. and then we get strapped into the seats uh, yeah. for the ride. Well. Where, let's talk about the, the, the queue. Okay. So the queue is basically... Um, so if you haven't been to Pandora, it's based on the movie Avatar, uh, directed by James Cameron. But the world, it's set 100 years after the movie. Um, so the conceit is they're going to... They're, they're trying to fix the bad mining practices from that you saw in the film. Um, which ties into the whole animal kingdom idea of conservation. I think it does it really well. But um, it also works because because the movie was set 100 years ago, you don't really have to know what happened in the movie to get what's happening in the land. And indeed, I know a lot of people who've gone to, to Pandora and go on the ride and have never seen Avatar before and loved it. So I personally... I'm one of those people who really loved Avatar, and I still love it, and I don't care that apparently it's fashionable to hate it now, because it's, I mean, it's not, like, revolutionary other than the visuals. Like, I don't understand why we need to make a sequel to it, but um, after going on Flight of Passage and just being there in general, I'm glad they made a theme park land of it, and I kind of want to watch the movie again. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> but anyway so the whole idea is with flight of passage is that you are going to link up to an avatar that is already on a banshee and take a 
Flight of Passage, which is a pun because Flying on the Banshee or the Ikron is the avatar, is the Navi Rite of Passage. Um, which get, you, it, get it? Get it? Get, get it? Get it? Get yeah. It. Which you see in the movie. Um, and that's also true that, you know, that, you know, humans cannot live in Pandora, really. You know, you will you will die. Um, the atmosphere is toxic. Yeah. Which I don't know how they get around that in the land. But uh, but the whole idea is in the, the ride is that if you the Banshees live up in the mountains, the, the floating mountains. And if you um, they do not like humans. So they like scan you, link you up with an avatar that's already created. And then um, that all happens in the pre-show. And then you get to the room where these, they look like motorcycles. And you climb on them mm-hmm. like a motorcycle. And that's, and you hold on and it links you up to the avatar. And, and then- so the conceit, so they're not pretending Oh, here's a here's a thing that looks like a banshee and you're going to get on it and ride. No, the ride is leaning into the whole idea that this is not actually happening to your physical body, but because you're linked up mentally, you're basically there. Um so there were a few times during the ride when I was like, "Holy shit, did they actually figure out how to send you up to the floating mountains of Pandora cuz this feels completely real?" Mm-hmm. So I will shoot it back to you. To describe what the hell happens yeah, when the so, ride starts. And it's like, whoa, shit. So, I mean, again, after two hours, we're not, <laughs> we're all not in the best mood. No. We are very tired. I'd had a panic attack in the line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> As I so, want to do. We don't, we, none of us actually know what to expect because we haven't really read up much on this ride. No. And, and and there's there's not really any ride throughs because of the way the ride mm-hmm. is set up. You so can't you can't really, really do- watch a video of yeah. the ride. Yeah, you can't. And as we discovered, you can't really put into words no what the experience is like. So I'll just describe it as thus: we sit down, uh, we're strapped into the seats, um, uh, we quote-unquote, are linked to our avatar, and then the greatest goddamn thing that has ever happened to me at a theme park happens. <laughs> I, I... The technology that went into this, it is a gigantic spe- theater sphere in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's it's like Soren, but it's just right there in front of you. Um, the ride... Simulates the Banshee. You can feel this sucker breathing under you. I, I just... You can feel it breathing! It was... It was one of the best moments in a theme park. Because... as So you basically... When you're linking up, it's sort of like jumping to hyperspace. Mm-hmm. Like, every thing turns dark... The wall opens up in front of you, and then you it's all black, and there's, like, stars that stretch out, sort of like you're jumping to hyperspace, except you don't, like, there's not modeled black, modeled gray at the end of it, it's, you're in Pandora on your avatar, and as soon as the screen, and it's not like a gradual, you're there, it's boom, it, oh, it mm-hmm. comes on the screen, and the- the reaction of everyone is just <gasps> like everyone just goes, just, oh, it, my God. And the like entire <laughs> I mean, and it is it is a three level sort of auditorium. There's 48 of, people yeah. in the room. And with you. there's a you're right. There is a simultaneous gasp. Yeah. From all 48 people in that theater. Yeah. It was so great. And I just, I was really nervous that I was going to get sick. and Because you've gotten sick on similar rides, like uh, Forbidden Journey at uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Yeah. And Star Tours, Mm -hmm. I get sick on. I I take ginger pills, and it it keeps me from actually, like, getting physically sick. But, like, I can't usually do Star Tours more than once. Roller coasters uh, bother me much more now than they used to. Um, But... You know, usually if I sh- if I spread out rides, I'm okay. 
Um, but I was really worried because simulator rides specifically have made me very sick in the past, like Back to the Future. And that's why I've never done Soren. Mm hmm. And people had, I had asked people, what is this ride like? And they would say Soren. I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> um, but I'm like, well, I've done Star Tours, so maybe this would be better. I did not feel sick once on this ride. And I don't know if it's because I took six ginger pills throughout the day by the time we got on this ride, or if it's because of the way the ride is set up that Mara, 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 Mara. <laughs> We're sorry, the Tashi Station dog is doing something very bad with the kitty litter right now. <laughs> um, but uh, so um, I think I don't know if it's the the ginger I took or just the way the motion of the ride. The motion of the ride to the video, it is as close to one to one as anything I've it, ever felt. It, like it seriously feels like you are flying. Like there is wind in your face. There is water spray but it's not like the typical like spraying on you on rides that you get sometimes or attractions like it feels like actual a, a mist. mist from the ocean just yeah. in your face yeah i don't it's it's like at, at some at, there are a few times i was like oh my god i, I am I'm, flying. I'm actually flying it feels I like am i'm actually flying. flying um and i uh so yeah, I didn't feel sick at all. Like actually, like so a lot of times when when I get on a ride and it starts, I think, oh, this is okay. And then after a while I'm like, eh, I start feeling sick. And then I'm like, okay, I'm good. Can we can we finish now? Like that's how I felt at the end of Everest. I'm like, are we done now? There was not one one moment during Flight of Passage where I'm like, I wish this was over. Like I was thinking to myself, oh my God, I feel amazing. And I didn't want it to stop. <laughs> And uh, there, the, there's there's actually a narrative structure yeah. to this ride that is just ingenious that I've never seen before. I mean, it, it starts as you expect, just flying and then steep climbs and dives and uh, you're, you face off against the big raptor thing and you go into a deep dive or a steep dive uh, soaring across the ocean front. And then it does, then my favorite moment of the ride happens and one that I think was ballsy as hell, but was just brilliant to do. And you fly into this cave and your Banshee just sets down. Mm -hmm. And for about 15, 20 seconds, it's just, it's just still. And it lights up. The cave around you lights up and you can feel the Banshee under you catching its breath. Yeah. And As you're you, kind of doing the same thing. But it's also, ever, ever you can see, like, because I was looking over to see what the theater looked like at one point in time. And then I was like, okay, I have to pay back attention to the ride. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just because I was interested, like, technologically. How, how does this work? How does it work? And I realized, oh, there's different levels here. But you could see, like, during that part, like, everyone just looking all around the screen and, like, being like, whoa, because it's gorgeous yeah so and then and then you dive out of the cave and when you come out of the cave the there's this entire world just opens. opening up yeah and like literally you have the whole vista of pandora out in front of you and it is like everyone just is kind of like oh my god like it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, and it's not real. And I feel so stupid because it's we're getting just manipulated. A ride. We're getting manipulated as hell, and we're like just I was buying it hook, line, and sinker. My eyes were watering in the ride. Like I, came, I was ready to cry. Yeah, I came this close to crying yeah. as we finally sat down for the last time, and this gorgeous vista is just in front of in you. In front of you. And you've just completed this amazing journey yeah. on the back of a banshee that is fake. It you're yeah. in a it's fake motorcycle in seat. It's fake and in space. But <laughs> none of it's real. You know none of it's real, but it felt real and I yeah. just wanted to cry with tears of joy. Yeah, like that is like the everyone as you finish the ride, it's like every the like just the joy in everyone's voices during the ride and afterwards was like so neat to see especially because like people who are waiting two three hours you're cranky as hell 
But like, there's no way a ride that could, when you're oh, standing in line for three hours, four can live up to it, right? It uh, did. That's what I thought. This one did. Yeah. And we are jaded, bitter yeah, theme park goers. We will not wait in line for anything for more than half an hour. Like, oh, Space Mountain, half an hour? Psh, no. Fast pass it. But yeah, this this was definitely everything they said and more. I'm really mad at myself that it's been a it was a year that before we finally went on the ride. I'm very grateful for Bria to come for coming here and making us go on it and wait in line because it was amazing and like my life has changed. I'm now a convert to the Church of Pandora. And now we keep refreshing our phones, looking at the app, like, hey, can I snag a fast pass for yeah, this tonight? Because animal because it's if you are a pass holder, it's really hard to get fast passes because hotel guests can book their fast passes 60 days in advance and so they get them all before our 30-day window opens up but um but yeah like i mean there are some there are some places i've been that are just amazingly gorgeous like i went when i went to italy like you know there are so many things there that i saw where i just stand there and look and go oh my god this is beautiful like when I went to Northern Europe on a cruise and it's the same thing. Like when we went to Alaska, like there were so many times in Alaska where you're just like, holy crap, this is gorgeous. And that's what I felt like on this ride. Like I was visiting some place and just like, wow, this this is beautiful. But it's also an exhilarating ride. And I just like, like we're, I can't we're stop this so- talking about we're, it. <laughs> we're making this sound like this scenic, uh, relaxing getaway. No, it's a thrill ride. Yeah. It's a thrill ride that makes me want to cry tears of joy, and I have no idea how they pulled this off. Yeah. It is stunning. And walking off that ride for the first time, my one of my first thoughts was, oh my god, this is, the whole Pandora thing, and this ride is just a beta test for Galaxy's Edge. I honestly, and it sounds sacrilegious, I don't know how they're going to top it. I don't like, either. I don't, I have no idea. Like, I can't remember the last time a a ride, hap- a ride opened like this at Disney that was so, such a breakthrough like this. Like, I mean, I love Star Tours because it's Star Tours, but it's not like a super huge technological breakthrough. I mean, the last thing they did that may have been anywhere close to this was probably Mission Space. Yeah, maybe. But like, even that, I don't remember people talking about it as much. Like, I feel like the the rides that break the mold are usually the Universal rides. Like, Universal has, like, the, the Harry Potter rides were both, like, I remember when when a forbidden journey opened everyone was like going on about how great it was and it is a great ride um and you know i cry walking i cried walking through hogwarts and diagon alley but like you know the ride itself is great but i didn't leave thinking oh my god i have to go on that a million more times like you know and pandora is beautiful and i have no no problem just walking around pandora but like that ride it's like it feels so dumb to say it was transformative, but I feel like my life has changed since I've gone on the flight of passage. <laughs> and I hate them for it. I hate Disney for doing this to me. Like, how? I don't, I don't have an emotional attachment to Avatar. No, I don't. It's. St- <laughs> I mean, I like the movie, but... <laughs> I, I, I don't know how they did it. I don't, I don't know how they did it. I don't either. But it's great. I don't know. I don't know how Galaxy's Edge is going to top it. I feel I know walking through Galaxy's Edge is going to make me cry. I don't know if the rides are going to have this much of a impact. If they can get 80 percent of the ride experience. Yeah. Paired with the immersiveness of what Universal is doing with Wizarding World of Harry Potter. They're going to have the greatest theme park attraction on the planet. Right. And I can't wait for it. Yeah. Okay, well, we wound up talking about... Uh, <laughs> we haven't even gotten to, like, news and stuff. <laughs> we, might have, we might have to dump the news this week. <laughs> now we can go through it quick. Okay. Uh, so, hey, if you like that discussion that went off Check the rails there... Check on the mouse droid. It was... See, we just, we just advertised for our yeah, other show. That's, a, that's just a preview of what we do on the mouse droid. Yes. So check that out. The first of it, first weekend of every month. Yes. <laughs> okay. Off to the news. 
Uh, hey, The Expanse, a show we love and we were very bummed that Sci-Fi canceled it, has been picked up by Amazon. Yes. Yeah, so Thanks, Jeff it was, Bezos. It was canceled and then picked up. So good job. We are very behind in it, but hopefully we will catch up once the season ends. And I'm glad it's on Amazon because hopefully they'll release it all at once now and we can just binge it. Uh, it's a show that needs to be binged. It really does. It It's one of those really complicated shows that... You'll forget stuff week to week. Yeah, and that was my problem with season one. Like, I was like, how does this all go together? And then once we watch it all straight through, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, Yep. Uh, Bill and Ted 3 is a go. I'm really excited about this. Uh, So they're finally going to make Bill and Ted 3. They've had a script for a while. Both um, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves have said they wanted to do it. Uh, They're finally doing it, and... I am a big fan of the first Bill and Ted. The second Bill and Ted, I still think, is funny because of death. <laughs> it was hilarious. Death is great. Uh, so I am very excited to see what happens, and I hope it doesn't suck. All right. Black Panther director Ryan Coogler wants to make a female-focused spinoff film and shut up and take my money. Yeah. Why are they not doing this right now? Do it now. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do I, it. I remember when we saw Black Panther first time around, I was like, I really like this movie. I really love Okoe. I would love a movie with Okoe and Nakia and Shuri. That would be great. Um, so they can do that. Yeah. <sighs> yep. And finally, Brandon Sanderson, you may know him of the... Of Bringer from, uh, books, yep, lots and, of fantasy uh, books. Dude who what took over Wheel of Time. Yes. Uh, has a new book that, uh, was this announced on tour? Uh, I think, I mean, I think it, they had a, uh, they had an excerpt up. I think it was announced before that. Mm-hmm. But um, this is coming out later this year, uh, a YA book, YA science fiction called Skyward. I have never read any Brandon Sanderson because I don't usually read that type of fantasy but um i am so i am excited to read to read this book a both because it sounds really interesting but to get to to read some sanderson and expand my reading horizon uh that way but um this book it's a it's a ya book about a girl who like dreams of being a pilot and they live underground in this world because of war that's going on but um the big thing that took me f- that struck me from the blurb and the excerpt that they posted was that it basically sounds like a gender swapped keltainer i know yes i am here for it so brian do you want to explain why it sounds like gender swapped keltainer oh, what was the uh it was a parent who her father her father had who he was shot down by friendly fire mm-hmm. so it's very much like cal being shot down by or cal's dad being shot down by wes jansen um because he bolted during uh a mission i don't know if like if 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 there's more to the story that the girl doesn't know um but it was definitely strains of keltainer there and i'm i i heard you know they they the thing that hooked me was the that it instead of a boy and his dragon it was a girl and her starfighter and i was like yep point me in that direction i'm there here for it (laughs) pre-ordered yep uh yeah so i'm excited about that one there's some really nifty books uh on the horizon that i'm very much looking forward to there are um i'm gonna be talking about a lot of books coming up so Yay! Okay, time for the Star Wars corner. Galaxy's Edge. Hey, more Disney talk. Yes. Galaxy's Edge uh, has opening dates announced. We have summer 2019 for Disneyland and late fall 29 over here at the Walt Disney World Resort. I'm okay with it opening later here. I am as well. Because it's going to be... All of you who need your fix immediately, go to Disneyland. Yes. Go to Disneyland. Because it will suck because it's opening late fall 2019, which means right before Christmas. So there will be like a two-week window... Between Thanksgiving and Christmas, where it'll be okay to try. (laughs) I don't even know about that, because people will be... Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to want it open before Christmas. Yeah. Oh, they want that holiday surge there. it's going to be... And especially because that's right when episode nine is coming out. Mm -hmm. It's going to be gross. I am hoping (gasps) that... Oh my god, I just thought of something, Brian. You just thought the same thing I did? 
Galactic, Galactic Knights. Knights. We're buying tickets. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love how we both have this. So yeah, the Galactic Nights is an event they hold every once in a while um, at Hollywood Studios. They it had coincides with the film release. Well, they had the first one at during Celebration um, Six. Then they had it for um, for uh, the Last Jedi, and they had another one for Solo. Um, so I don't know if they're going to have one next year at all. But if they have one. For the release of The Last Jedi, which I, or not The Last Jedi, Episode 9, which I imagine they would, that would include that is a, that is Galaxy's a hard cap, Edge. Yeah, that is a hard cap ticket event. Yeah. I mean, there were a ton of people there at Galactic Nights, but the lines were I, not bad. I mean, we no, went on, we went on Tower Terror Rock and Roller Coaster like right through so yeah if i now i'm just thinking holy sh- holy shit there if they do galactic nights i as soon as the tickets are open i'm buying them i you know what they should do brian mm-hmm. make galactic nights like a hard ticket thing like oh, they like, do not so scary like not so sc- mickey's uh, mickey's not and so scary do that Halloween party. during the winter after galaxies like the winter 2020 oh my goodness do you know how many tickets they would sell just from people wanting to go and get into the land i'd do it right I'd absolutely do it ah disney we got call the me. ideas call me <laughs> we, got, we got this seriously uh yeah uh, so opening speaking of uh crowded events celebration uh, announced celebration chicago was announced tickets went on sale yeah I think we talked about we talked about it. We uh, talked about it on Mouse Droid. Yes. Have we has it been that long since celebration? Uh yeah. Or TSR? It may have been. Oh, yeah. We're sorry. <laughs> uh but anyway, um Celebration Chicago was announced. Tickets and hotels went on sale uh Tuesday, and they are gone already, which is two days afterwards, which is crazy. Like this is nuts. The f- the multi day tickets for Celebration Orlando sold out in December, and the multi day tickets for Anaheim didn't sell out until like immediately before the event. And we thought that was crazy. Mm-hmm. This is two days. This is unprecedented. And sale. from what I understand, they did not change the number of tickets available between Celebration Orlando and Celebration Chicago. Yeah, some people were speculating that, that they, they may have lowered, lowered the cap on the, the five cap. days. They, they were the cap just in general, but also for multi-day tickets so they could sell more single-day tickets, which made sense. But you said the official Celebration account had been responding to people on Facebook saying, no, it's the same number of tickets. Mm-hmm. That does not bode well. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be one busy con. It is going to be one busy con. I really hope they have their organization, you know, better because, like, I was ready to throw in the towel after Celebration Orlando. If if it goes the same way at Chicago, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go again because it was just not fun. Um, and but you know, I've I've heard good things about C two E two that is in. Chicago, the same place, and run by the same people. So I'm hoping that that will help the organization at Celebration. Um, if not, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can deal with it anymore after this, Brian. <laughs> so I hope they don't f it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll find out on that. And hotels are basically gone. Yeah, uh, there's virtually nothing left. Yeah, if if you go through the room blocks, if you go like you can probably get a hotel on um, you know, just hotels.com or something. But um yeah, the yeah, it's it's insane. I thought Star I thought people were boycotting Star Wars, Brian. It took a whole two and a half days to sell out. Boycott successful, I guess. Yes. Uh hey, this is really cool news. Uh friend of the show, one of our uh, our friends, awesome person, you all know her, Amy Ratcliffe, uh, is writing Women of the Galaxy, a look at the the uh, female characters in the Star Wars universe, and I am very pumped for this. Yes. A whole slew of great artists are joining the project, um, 
bunch of women and non-binary folks uh, are joining Amy to uh, illustrate this. Uh, Amy's going to have write-ups for each one of the characters, and this is an awesome project, and I cannot wait to get my hands on it. So congratulations, Amy. Very well-deserved. We are so excited for you. Yeah, I'm so excited for this book and to see, especially the art, too. Yes, oh... Art and of, we're gonna get art of, of art of book characters is one of my most that tr- is desired thing in Star Wars. It is one of my most desired thing to see, you know, actual official depictions. Can they do a gaze of the galaxy <laughs> to have Sinjir? <laughs> can we? Is that a thing that could happen, Brian? Oh, I'd love that. I would love that. <laughs> Uh, speaking of books, final bit of news here is something else that I am very excited about. Uh, many people have been asking about the solo novelization, and that was finally announced. Uh, it will be written by Six Wakes author Mer Lafferty. Yay! And We uh, loved that book. Yes. Uh, you may have read Mer's stuff in, uh, from a certain point of view. She also had an insider short, I believe. Yes. Uh, but, uh, her novel, Six Wakes, is one of the best things I've read in a number of years. Uh, if you want to get a taste from Mer Lafferty's writing uh, before that novelization comes out, go pick up Six Wakes. It is really good. We did a book club episode about it last year, so ch- you can check that out, too. All right. I guess it's finally time to talk about Solo 40 minutes into the show. <laughs> yes, we saw Solo. We probably won't talk about it much because we were eh about it and we don't want to harsh anyone's squee. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, here's my philosophy. I don't like. I don't want to harsh anyone's buzz, so I tend not to talk about the stuff in Star Wars that I don't really enjoy. That's right. why I don't talk about the prequels that much. <laughs> um, and yeah, Solo for me was fun, but very flawed. Yes. Um, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, there are parts that I found genu- genuinely thrilling. Like the castle run, um, I thought was great. Um, the the whole standoff at the end, I enjoyed. Um, the whole breakout on Kessel was hilarious and delightful. And the Kessel run was worth the price of admission. Yeah, I mean the train sequence too, except mm-hmm. from the problematic things, was exciting like basically the action in the film was very exciting the set pieces were great yeah the the cinematography was great i i enjoyed the act like i thought the acting was good i thought alden was very good as han and i'm not like a han person um you know at no no point during this movie was i like oh my god i love han solo now but he he managed to portray what needed to be done was Han at a very different point in his life. Right. Rather than just doing a Harrison Ford impression. Right. And even though, like, I wasn't a huge fan of Kira, but, like, there was nothing really that made me cringe or anything with any of the acting, which, you know, some Star Wars movies have maybe do that, even the ones I really like. Um, but, yeah, so it's, like, on the outward surface, there's really, no- there's really nothing that would go, like, oh, it's a terrible movie. Um, you know, I enjoyed it. People have asked, should I go see it? I'm like, yeah, sure, go see it. It's enjoyable. Um, I loved Enfys Nest, and I want all the books about Enfys Nest. Give me the supplemental material on Enfys Nest. I need the supplemental material on Enfys Nest. I need, I need her background, and I also need a sequel book in which she you know, joins the rest of the rebellion proper eventually and meets Luke Skywalker, who thinks he should become an honorary cloud rider because of his name. (laughs) And I kind of ship them, but how can I? Because they don't know each other, but that's what I do. But, um, so yeah, I, um, yeah, like, but there were a lot of things that I didn't like about the movie. Three main things. And, Unfortunately, one of the things happened in the very beginning of the movie, and it sort of soured my feelings about the rest of the and, movie. Yeah, this happening so early just really put me in a bad mood for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and we're talking about Val dying, uh, obviously. Okay, it's been um, two weeks. You knew spoilers were coming. Yeah, but um, and sh- honestly, for me, it's not even just Val dying. It's Val and Rio dying. Um, because like, and I, I don't want to take away from the actual real life representation issues. Um, but like there are 
a dearth of intro alien new alien characters in star wars which star wars is known for so like i remember leaning over to you during the movie and going oh i really like rio because like i i knew john favreau was doing the voice but i didn't really know anything about rio other than that he was the pilot and i was like i really like him i like him a lot and then he's dead Uh (laughs) he's dead from a hit blaster shot in the shoulder i don't understand how that works biologically um so that bummed me out i was like oh damn he's dead all right well that's crappy and then val blurs herself up and then i was really mad so here's what really annoys me about these two deaths val's in particular is I'm really bothered when writers seem to be working backwards from a thing they want to happen. Mm-hmm. I want to kill X, so I am working backwards from this point to get there. And that very much felt like a death like that when I truly don't believe you needed to kill her and still accomplish the same thing. You've yeah. got a great – you've said this uh, to me and a couple other people of how you could have accomplished the same thing and actually improved um, – Beckett's motivation. Yes. So, I mean, it's sad. They die. And now, like, they... But they don't need to die to lose the... to to fail on the mission. Because... Because the only thing that needed to happen was for them to lose the coaxium. Val dying and Rio dying did not cause them to lose a coaxium. Enfys Ness and her marauders showing up caused them to lose the coaxium. Han is already flying the transport by the time they show up. Um, Val gets pinned down by the Viper droids and has to blow up the bridge while she's there. Um, And okay, you know, it's adding tension. They said they didn't want to make it all seem... Like, they didn't want to make it seem too safe, but the problem is, is that you barely have time to meet these characters, so them dying just makes you annoyed, not sad. And also, like, that's the sort of thing that you need to save for the end of the movie, because that's when the tension is supposed to be the highest. Like, the tension was... Like, there was tension at the end of the movie, but it's like, I know that Han's going to survive. I know that Chewie's going to survive. Really, my only tension was, are they going to kill Kira and fridge her? Um, But I wasn't so worried about her as a character as the out-of-universe implications. Yeah. So if they had kept Val and Rio throughout the whole movie and made you really like them and then have them possibly die at the end of the movie... That would have done the same thing as happened in Rogue One, you know, where you know these characters now and you're sad when they die. That's how that works. But they don't need to die to have the mission fail. Han is the person who lets go of the coaxium and destroys the mission. Val did not want to take them along. Um, Imagine, if you will, if they had survived. and Val had been like, I told you that this was going to happen. I told you they were going to fuck up this job and I'm leaving now. And her and Rio take off like and because Dryden is going to be after them now. And they say, we're not going with you to Dryden. We're taking off. Bye. And that totally would feed into Beckett's whole idea of people betraying you and never trusting anyone. Um, as it is, it doesn't work with her dying because he's sad for like a second and then he's over it. He's over it. It's mentioned once. It's mentioned like, once by Boss Dryden. It once, he's like, and I'm is, sorry about Val and, and that's it. Never mentioned again. Yeah. So it's not even that you can you can't even say she was fridged because it provides no motivation for Beckett. Yeah. Which I'm, is infuriating. So you do this to the first prominent on-screen black female yeah. character before act one is even 
done. And it sucks. Because she was such a cool character. Yeah, it, re- it really sucks. And there was a con- there was conflict between them, but they were, you know, you're like, oh, cool, they're awesome space marrieds. But then, you know, she could have been like, no, I'm done. And that feeds into the whole people will betray you. Mm-hmm. And it provides... It, a- it makes Beckett's motivation and anger more pronounced and yeah. understandable and better. Yeah. It basically it's just like we need two characters for this first mission and we need it to fail and we don't need them later on. Like I don't they could have gone with them. Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand why they couldn't have gone with them to Castle, you know, like because they would have had two more people yeah, to but I I think what we're seeing here is there's just there were just so many other better ways yeah. you could have gone about this. Yeah. And they chose the worst way. Yeah. And that's really disappointing for me. Um, there was one other major thing that both of us had issues L3. with. L3. Oh, wait, two other major things. <laughs> so, yeah, L3 dies, and then they shove L3's brain, brain into, the, into the Falcon, Falcon and becomes one with the Falcon. And then they never mention her ever again. You know how you make that scene better? You keep L3 alive long enough to make that her choice. Yes. Yes. Like, I I was upset about L3 dying. Um, A, because I, I wanted her to be around longer. And, like, her whole thing is wanting droid equal rights. And the idea of her going off at the end of this and being on her own, like, would have been so nice for her. Um, and also, it's, you know, this, all of the women in this movie, except for Emphis Ness, but you can't even argue she doesn't even have one, don't have happy endings. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you could don't say have happy Han en- doesn't either, yeah. but they don't, they don't get to- Well, they, they don't have happy endings, and there's a whole lack of, lot of, there's Ag- a lack of agency lack going of agency. around. Yeah. So, like, L3 has a delightful- delightful sequence in which she leads the droids in a rebellion on Kessel. That whole scene which just made me cackle. It was so delightful. And then she gets shot and it's like is but she's a droid. You can fix her. Like she made herself. You can fix her. Like I kept thinking you can fix her. Like I don't understand why why she needs to die. It's the same thing with Rio. Why does he have to die? He got shot in the shoulder. Which again <laughs> is why you give the character more agency. Yeah. If L three says upload my memory core into the Falcon, I can't fix myself. You need to save yourself. Put. Put me in the Falcon. You make that her choice, and you avoid all of these ancillary questions. I mean, I didn't want her to die, period, but if you want her to, then that's what you do. And then, now you think about it, like, her brain is part of the Falcon, which I I don't know if I really buy the whole she's in the Falcon, like, the way she is as a droid, because it doesn't make sense. But, like, now, like, when Lando's flying the Falcon again, that is, you know, poignant in return, you know, in Empire and stuff. So, yeah, I uh, I didn't like that. Yeah, I was not a fan. And on to the final thing that really <laughs> bothered us. Really, this movie had three big things that... That we did not like. <laughs> and the unfortunate thing is there were three big things spaced out around three acts. Yeah. That just, every time we were starting to feel good about, okay about the movie again, a thing would happen. And this was Darth Maul. Yeah. So, okay, listen, first off, I get it. The cameo is cool. Mm-hmm. It's great to have a nod to fans who have been following along with the ancillary material since 2005. That is very much a nod to you. That's awesome. But it kneecapped a great moment for Kira. And I'm happy for all of the Maul fans. I know there are a lot of you who love Maul. Like, in theory, I think it's good. I want there to be more connection with Star Wars. But I have never liked them bringing Maul back. I've always thought it was stupid. He was cut in half. And I'm sorry, they never gave a good enough explanation they didn't even try to give an explanation for how he survived. And I just, I, it, it just, I, I'm never going to like it. 
I liked him in Rebels enough, though. I mean, I'm like, okay, if he's going to be all around, you you at least did something interesting with him. But I bringing him in at that very moment just totally took away from what Kira had just done. Kira has this amazing uber Slytherin moment. Yes. And it that's awesome. I love the moment. I really did. Yeah. And then, oh, wait, she's actually working for Maul. She doesn't, yeah. she's and now, still, and again, it's the thing where, okay, we're kind of taking her, her autonomy and agency away here. Turns out she's not really in charge of this awesome crime syndicate Maul is. Yeah. And I mean, <sighs> like, she's she never seems happy with her fate in the movie. And I mean, really, she shouldn't. But like, at the end, she isn't either. And it just kind of, like, annoys me because I'm, like, I I like that she does whatever she needs to do to survive. Like, it's interesting. But, like, like Han is a scoundrel and likes being a scoundrel. Like, it would have been nice to see her kind of, like, be able to be that way as well, you mm-hmm. know? Like, if does that make sense, what I'm saying? No, I we think so. We have so many male scoundrels in star wars who love being that way han lando hondo uh go back to legends you got card uh and really you have so few female ones like the only one i can really think of is mara but even her is not she's not really she's a smuggler because she has to be you know and val was the closest we got and then she died so (laughs) yeah i just yeah uh yeah so those were our big problems um i should mention one other th- one other thing i really did like though hmm? Eunice as chewy oh yeah this is going to sound sacrilegious he's better than peter mayhew <gasps> you're shocked he's just so damn expressive he and is. wonderful and he's adorable he's an adorable human and great and i love him and I would love for him to be Chewy in more standalone movies. Uh, I, che- he is great as Chewy, just yeah. just wonderful. That character's in great hands. Yeah. Um. So as we're talking about this now, Solo officially bombed at the box office. It is highly, highly unlikely it's going to make its budget back. Mm-hmm. Um. And it is a film that just doesn't have legs. It's really the first flop. In Star Wars. Um, I, I, I'm i not someone who j- likes to overplay box office results, but I'm also someone who thinks that they do matter. And that if a film struggles like this, there are lessons to be learned. Um, I, I do worry that uh, the wrong lessons could be taken away, um, that people will put way too much weight in those stupid boycotts, thinking that... Let's see. Uh, what wh- what is it? Um, white dudes who were mad that Star Wars has a social justice has been on such a quote social justice warrior bent late of late boycotted. Let me check my notes here. <laughs> a film starring a white male lead. Yep. Okay. Do I so, have that right? So so what we should take out of this? We're, the first thing we should take away is that takes bullshit, <laughs> and also that. Don't make movies about white men. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Right? Um, but as far as lessons that can be learned from Solo. First, you need more women and minorities in the writing room. Yeah. I think all of our problems with this film are fixed. If women and minorities are in the writing room. I think so, too. Um, give your female characters more agency. Yeah. And I don't want to say, like, you can't ever kill female characters or characters of color or queer characters, because, like, the whole the whole point of people of us wanting more diversity is, you know, those things are going to happen if you have character yeah. if you have all different kinds of characters you know eventually but when you give, women are gonna die yeah, but when you give the characters agencies that agency then their deaths 
mean something. Mean something. And when you and have they pack more of a punch. And when you have more than one woman, mm-hmm. them dying isn't or taking away their agency isn't like at automatically horrible because you have other characters there. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, look at Rogue One. It had so much diversity in it that, you know, I mean, all of the characters die, and that's kind of why it works, because they all get to be their own characters, and they all yep. die. Well, every, but every one of those characters, every one of those characters had their own agency. And they had their own arc, and mm-hmm. they were all heroes, except for Krennic, who sucks. <laughs> well, and he got a fate befitting of him, a yeah. super laser in the face. Right. Which was great. <laughs> but, like, you know, and I'm thinking of, like, the Last Jedi, I had a lot of problems with that movie, and one of my biggest problems was the Poe and Holdo subplot, but Holdo's death was so awesome. and like Because it was her choice. Yeah, and I, I, I know a lot of people were very angry about, did not like that Holdo died, um, but for me, like, it, it didn't, it didn't strike me as, oh god, like, oh, they're killing the woman, because you know, you also had Ray and you also had Rose. And yes, you could have had way more female characters in that movie, but it wasn't as striking mm-hmm. as it could have been. Um, so, yeah, that's we want more characters. Period. More diverse characters, period. Because then you don't have to worry about them being the token character mm-hmm. and yeah. representing everything to everyone. And when you have more than white men in the writing room you might have someone come you know and this is not to say like if you you know just say okay well we have a woman in the writing room that's going to fix everything because you know there are some women who have who love solo and don't have any problems with it and that's not to say that's valid but if you have more people with different views then you can you will probably have people bringing up things that you wouldn't have thought about before i mean i'm gonna say the two words that uh piss a lot of people off but it's really important in the writing process Mm -hmm. get yourself a sensitivity reader Mm -hmm. just do it yeah you have to okay i I, I feel a little bad because we have been ragging on this movie a bit, and it's not a movie we hate. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a decent Star Wars film. It's not even my yeah. least favorite Star no, Wars. No, it's film. not. Let's talk about things we liked again, so we end on a good note. Yeah, great idea. Uh, again, uh, can I can I talk about the, how great the Kessel Run was? Yes. They said the, they said the thing. The Maw. They said the Maw. That was crazy. And if you listen real carefully in the theater, you can hear every expanded universe <laughs> fan go. <gasps> I was like, they said the thing. They said the thing. There's Corsac agents on Corellia. Mm-hmm. We got to see Corellia. Corellia okay. is a real place. Han speaking Shrewook is great. <laughs> It was, yeah, I I mean, it's hard because I still love Han's old backstory and I still kind of wish they had stuck to the Legends thing. But like, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was L3 was delightful. Um, Val, I love Val and Rio. I loved like Beckett was fine. He wasn't the best, but yeah. Beck, Woody Harrelson's great, but Woody Harrelson is Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Um, but again, we're supposed to finish on things we like. Yeah. Uh Paul Bettany is he, great. I loved him. He is oh, he's great. I real I mean, he's a good actor no matter what, but like he he was suitably creepy as Voss. Like I saw I think John Kazan might have said something in an interview where he sort of implied like those scenes were supposed to be read romantically. And I'm like, well, you did not give Paul Bettany the the right directing then because I that guy made my skin crawl. And anyone who read those scenes as romantic is someone you want to run the hell away from forever. But it was so effective and how creepy it was. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. Uh, and I like that there were no lightsabers in this. Well except for that i think oh oh another 
the the soundtrack oh, was fantastic. We, we may have to come back and do another show on the soundtrack. Um, but there are some tracks on there that are legit top five Star Wars tracks for me. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because they they showed one of the clips before the movie premiered, called and I, during the Kessel Run, and I was, was a, very annoyed that they used the was, asteroid field. Yeah, chase. it was an excerpt from Reminiscence Therapy. Well, that yeah, that so that I think Reminiscence Therapy is the the um like the concert yeah. piece but so during that the kessel run chase they use it's basically the greatest hits of the millennium falcon and the track is called reminiscence therapy and it's so good it's so good um it's you know it starts with the death star motif it goes into imperial it goes into like the escape from tatooine it does here they come it's just it's great and um you know the new themes are great. The ha- I really liked Han th- Han's theme. I really loved Chewie's theme. Um, the theme for Enfys Nest I loved. Um, I listened to it a lot, and it's it's great. I really I really enjoy the soundtrack, and I was worried about it. I was really worried about it, but I think it works really well. Yeah, I I agree. Um, <sighs> that soundtrack has so many legitimately great tracks. Um, yes. Uh. Enter what was it? Enter the Marauders? Is that the track name? Uh Marauders Arrive. Mar- Marauders yeah, Arrive. Yeah. So good. Uh Chewie and the Falcon. Chewie and the Falcon. L three and the Falcon is what it's what it's called. I thought it oh no, Flying with Flying Chewie. With Chewie. Sorry. Yeah. Flying with Chewie. Uh yeah. Great tracks all around. I hope they keep John Powell on retainer. Yeah. And the 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 music when we see the Millennium Falcon for the first time, like legit when Han looks up the at the Falcon for the first time, and it's that slow version of the Star Wars main title. Like it went, it sent chills down my spine. Like it, it made it made me very emotional. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was very good. Yeah. Okay, that was our take on Solo. We may talk about it more later, but yes. we wanted to give you our scattered thoughts on it. Um, yes. Solo, it's a decent film, not our favorite. But yeah. that doesn't mean you shouldn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. If it works, if you dig it, awesome. All right. Uh, we should get out of here, Nancy. We should. All right. This episode of Tashi Station Radio has been brought to you in part by you, our Patreon subscribers. That's patreon.com slash Tashi Station. Uh, you can subscribe there. One dollar level gets you into our Patreon exclusive Slack team where we source a bunch of ideas for our shows. Yes. So, yeah, get it on that. You can help us program these shows. It's fun. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us with the handles Tashi underscore station. That's the official show account. Uh, you can find Nancy with Nancy Pants. That's Nancy with an I. You can find me with Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. Uh, you can find our columns and news on Tashi-station.net. Uh, if you like what you hear, uh, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. Uh, leave a review. It does help us uh, get out to a wider audience. If you've enjoyed this, uh, we really thank you for coming back and listening to us again. We'll catch you all next time. Bye. TSR is brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. Visit patreon.com slash Tashi Station to help us keep the lights on and to get access to our Patreon-exclusive Slack team.